Special quick note here. I want to really thank Jamak for her time on this because she wasn't feeling the best and she still, uh, as usual, delivered incredible insights. So thank you again, as always, Jamak. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This episode is part of a longer interview I conducted with Jamak Degani, who's the founder of the Data Mesh Concept and is sponsored by her, her company, her startup, Next Data. The goal of these conversations is to dig deeper into specific topics rather than skimming the surface and really discuss Schmack's view of the now and the future of data mesh. What is possible now? What can we do to set ourselves up for success in the, in the future? And what is our ideal picture in that future once we have the ways of working and the tooling more figured out? Hopefully you get some great insights as well as seeing the other side of the funny and wonderful person behind the data mesh paradigm. Please do follow Jamak as well for more interesting insights to keep an eye out on what she is working on. I think you'll be very interested and exciting. Now, up next, I'll give a bit of my summary of the episode. So you might focus on a few of the nuanced points that Jamak makes. Sometimes she says some things that are kind of like a picture, right? Worth a thousand words in and of themselves, even when she says one sentence. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and hear some fun music and then we'll get into that summary. Fixing Unnecessary Complications in Serving Data to AI and ML, Jamax Corner number 18. So this is part of continuing the conversation about AI and ML's place in data mesh. We start the episode with Jamax discussing an unnecessary complication we've created in data. Why do data sets or assets only have to serve one user or even one user persona, right? Yes, when we talk about product thinking, it is about creating reuse. But are we thinking reuse across kind of regular old analytics and ML and AI at the same time? We need to make it easy to give access in the language of, you know, that kind of native mode of access to the data consumer, right? We shouldn't have to care what data is used for, regular analytics, ML, or anything in between. We need to figure out how to really create our data products so that it doesn't matter and that we, you know, that the, even the platform itself can help take care of that for us, that we don't have to design a new API every single time, that if we can get ourselves to a place where we can just create the data product itself, that then there are modes of access that we offer um, to different consumers to make it easy on everybody. There's also this very painful bifurcation between upstream data production and data science, where the second data enters the data science kind of realm of influence, it's copied over into there. And, you know, in general, at the high level, you lose sight of it for discoverability, governance, security, quality, all sorts of things, right? The data science teams 
pull that information in. And then it's essentially impossible to track. They've created a, a copy of it and <laughs> then you don't know what happens, right? That creates all kinds of problems. So why don't we extend data mesh into what they are doing? Do they even need to make copies of the data in the feature store? If they have a trusted source of access to the data, do they really care that they have to keep making copies? A lot of times making these copies has been a very defensive mechanism. So when we're thinking about how AI and ML like fit in data mesh, it, yes, we want to talk about the consumers. Yes, we want to talk about them as producers, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of it's just like, how do we solve these problems for them so they want to be participating. It's not like, hey, we need to harangue them. We need to tell them you need to do this. It's we can go in and really actually show them why this is going to be better for them if they participate in this way. And it just lowers a lot of the complication in general at the organizational level and for them. It reduces a lot of their toil. So I, I think this is going to help to kind of frame that conversation about like, how does AI and ML really fit and how do we make it so that they're really bought in that they want to participate in this? Okay, with that shortest summary of the episode done, let's go ahead and get to actually hearing from the woman herself, Shemak Degani. In data mesh, I put a lot of emphasis on data as a product. And when we think about the product, um, we think about we don't think about a very narrow niche market. But well, some some products are like that. But I th don't think data products can be narrowly addressing a very small market. As in, I just I'm a data product. I tell you sales information as long as you can understand SQL. Or as long as you're using, uh, you know, ML technologies, that, that's not the case, right? The ideal use case is, I'm a, I'm a data product. I provide you sales information, and I provide that information with all that additional metadata and APIs that makes it so so easy for you to discover me and understand this data and use it. And most importantly, just access it however you want. Like, it doesn't matter. You want to see it as columns or you want to see it as SQL or, or whatever methods we're going to come, <clears throat> come up with in future, you have that native mode of access. And it's the intelligence of the platform that would hide away any extra work that needs to happen for you to access the data in your, you as a data consumer in your native mode. And if that's the target future, we don't care if that data is used or even internally that data is predicting some future state or it is analyzing some past trends. Um, in that world, you're just a data product. It really, it really doesn't matter what you are. So then in that world, um, a few things, a few places AIML appear. Um, like just analytical work, workloads. One is 
Um, I am a machine learning model um, training pipeline, <clears throat> or I am a machine learning engineer and I'm building these training pipelines and I need to have access to data that I trust. I don't need to do a ton of cleansing and ton of meaning making. It is actually a product and I'm using it to feed it into my <clears throat> machine learning training pipeline. So you become a consumer of that data product or even further uh, I'm a machine learning model, uh, machine learning engineer or data scientist, and I found all of these data products, but they don't quite look the way I want them to look. I need to do a little bit more to do some classification, some analysis to then turn it into feature sets that then they, you know, they can happily train my machine learning model, in which case you're essentially, your features become yet another data product. Because like any other data product, they have to be, you know, there is a, they have to be discoverable, understandable, accessible, so on. There is an acronym in the book that I keep changing what the acronym should be because it just doesn't roll in tongue. The current versions of it is um, DAV units, D, uh, what is it? DAV units, U-N-I-T-S, which is, Every time I say a data product, it has to pass the litmus test of these tough units, uh, discoverable, addressable, valuable, and so on. So, so uh, you're, as a machine learning engineer, you're producing a data product. It's a feature set for training one or perhaps multiple data products. Uh, it's perhaps an aggregate data product or a fit-for-purpose data product that has flattened you know, a bunch of other ones to get and get shaped them to the point that they can directly be consumed for training. Or now you have trained your model and you want to deploy it and you want to deploy it in the flow of the data. As in, you're not necessarily deploying it as a microservice to transactionally call it and, you know, and, and get responses, but you're putting it in the flow of the data as upstream data comes to ch change. For example, you could be um, you know, some sort of a generative model that builds um, new styles of clothing for a retail, but as the new product, new, um, you know, shirts and pants and different different um, accessories get produced and as the product catalog changes upstream, as the user uh, behavior, shopping behavior changes, you are generating in the flow of that data, you're generating new styles um, so then in this case, you're an ML model that is a data product. Uh, the transformation part of that data product is the ML model, and it's just generating generating data. So I pause here. There, there, there are multiple scenarios where ML just fits nicely into the concept that exists within data mesh. Yeah, so I wanted to kind of unpack a lot of what you said, make sure I've, I've, I understand it as well. So one was... I really like that we get rid of that that kind of silly bifurcation as to as a producer, I have to serve my constituents, but you know my customers of my data product, but I don't care how they're using it as long as they're using it within compliance and, and they're understanding the information and using it like they're not just completely misunderstanding the the thing and and going way way off the rails, but that the 
we can't. So one one question that's come up a lot is how much of the work do we push upstream to the data product producer? And I think what you're saying is for special specialized usage for machine learning models and things like that, we can't push that all up to the the producer. That's the aggregate data products that you've talked about. And but I do kind of wonder about these features because traditionally features haven't been data products. And so you were saying you see them as as a data product, but I've kind of thought of them as more of a proto data product and you know or if all you're doing is aggregating data into this one thing, you're just making another copy. So then is that something that people then where you want to tell them, this is how you would actually get this data. This is the code to run to get the data. And that's the data product, but there's not actually a data product itself. Or like, do you, or, or do you think we haven't discovered that yet? Because I, I get worried about one thing that I've talked about a lot, and, and I think you, you and I disagree on this, um, is simply a mesh lettered, littered with data products, where it just becomes that it's really easy to find data, but it's really difficult to figure out, is this the right data? And I think that's probably a good problem to have. <laughs> I have these six different things that I know I can trust, and I just have to figure out which one I want to use. But like, how are you thinking about that feature concept? And then you've talked about this too, of the feature is is a data product, but you've also talked about the output of the model could also itself become a data product. You've talked about that in the past. And then those data science people become uh, producers, which I think the earlier we want to get people doing that, the better, because then they can understand product thinking and they can understand how they have to communicate with the producers of the, the stuff that they're consuming from. But like, I guess I'm even trying to figure out exactly the question here because there's so many different ways this could go. Do, do you have like a way that you want to react to that or where sure. where you see initially somebody should go? Yes. So right now I see a pretty painful bifurcation in organizations, which is on like ignoring the app dev stuff. Like there's app <laughs> versus, you know, transaction data, operation data versus like analytical data. And we managed to separate them, and then we put these fat pipelines in between that turn into a ball of mud that now we have to throw millions of dollars at to just keep up running and observe. So ignore that. Coming down the stream, as organizations become, I guess, more sophisticated with machine learning, modeling, and data science built in into the functions, now we have this other divide, which is the divide between data engineers and people that produce the raw data or model data, and then people that consume them for a machine learning model. And what happens right now is we have a ton of, we try to have rigor, whether it's data mesh or not data mesh, around data discoverability and data governance and security. But the moment that data crosses the wall into the data science world, just put it in the feature store and it's wild, wild west. And it's hard to protect, it's hard to govern, and very, very quickly, we're just gonna get ourselves into the same problem that we're today with upstream data. So, either we have to say, like, no, these two worlds are so, so different that we shall invent yet another system for getting some order <laughs> um, and also remove pain points that occur over time, 
Or we say, is it just the same thing? Like, why a feature set that is used for training one or multiple? It has to be more than one for it to be worthy of data product. So I agree that not every single data set is a, is a data product. But when there is a feature set that is being used by tra- for training multiple machine learning um, ML models, how is that any different from data product? Doesn't it need to be discoverable? Doesn't it need to be understandable? Doesn't it need to be like that dove units? Like, what is it so different? And I'm struggling to say, how is that any different? And so far, maybe we haven't had that problem pronounced because we don't have that many data scientists. We have the data scientist team is still maybe relative to other data users, maybe we're smaller, uh, the data sharing and just um, the, the the chaos of piling data into feature stores and the pipelines that do that, you know, haven't become as, as um, hairy and unruly that we haven't paid attention to it, but we're going to get there very quickly. So then why being a data product why, why shouldn't it be? If it has multiple users, it's being shared, why should it be something else than a data product? So thanks again to Jamak. As a reminder, please check out her startup, Next Data. There's more information about it in the show notes. They're doing some pretty amazing things. She's hiring lots of folks, looking to partner with others, and just kind of check it out. As for me, please do follow up with me as well. I'm pretty easy to find. I'd love to chat data mesh or anything kind of in the data realm. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information, some useful resources and things as well. And Jamak and I both wish you an excellent rest of your day. Now with that, let's cue that inspiring outro music.